Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. Good evening. Welcome to Young Adults. My name is Jared. I am glad that you're here. Hey, uh, where are my people at that are like, you can play Christmas all year round, Christmas music, like... Y'all are jolly. Where are my people at that are like, after Halloween, you're good? Okay, they're less vocal. After Thanksgiving? Where are my people at that are like, it's Christmas Day and Christmas Eve only? Like, okay, I I hear you. Hey, everybody's got their own spot. Like, there's a spot in America for you. It's great. Um, But... We're really excited for Christmas this year. Me and my wife, Tyler, have three little boys. Thatcher's four, Jetson's two, and Riggins is four months. And we're excited. We got to go in town. Uh, we're from St. Louis. Got to go in town and see some of our family this last week. And uh, got to, the kids got to see some of their cousins. And it's just, it's a beautiful mess. It's, kids are just being wild and crazy. And like the, the one and a half year olds wanting to hold the one year old because he's like, yeah, it's a baby. And it's like, bro, you're a baby. Um, but it's, it's a good time. We're excited for Thanksgiving. We're excited uh, for Christmas. It's going to be fun. Um, our house is always a little bit of a mad zone. Um, you never really know exactly what's, what's going to happen. And you, you deal with the emotions of a four-year-old and the tantrums of a two-year-old. And you're like, man, I, I, I'm ready for you to be out of the house already. If you can get a job and find a college that will accept you, I'll, I'll send you off there. Um, but one of our favorite games to play is like our kids will be doing something ridiculous and we go back and forth between like parenting them and like looking at each other like, hey, Tyler, am I doing good? Am I doing what I should? And like then laughing and then like th- there comes a certain moment where like it, it even happened last night, Jet, our two-year-old, like my, my wife made some potato soup. It was delicious. He was just like, I'm, I'm not going to eat it. Like I'm just putting my foot down. It's not going to happen tonight. So he's just like, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to do anything. And we're like, bro, you've got, I'm going to make you a milkshake. It's going to be great afterwards if you'll just Take a bite. That's all we're asking you to do. That's the standard in our house. We feel like it's pretty low, but it's pretty fair. You'll just take a bite. And he's, I mean, he's wailing, he's crying, he's doing everything he can to put his foot down. Well, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, that same two-year-old was throwing a fit about something else. Uh, He wanted a balloon and uh, he couldn't quite get to it. And I have a picture of the balloon that he wanted to get to. And... um, if you can see, it's not filled up with helium. It's not at the, at the ceiling or anything. It's just, it's just right there. And, and he, he started crying, and I like rushed over to him. And I was like, Jet, what's the problem, bud? And he's like, that balloon. And I was like, that balloon? And he was like, yeah. I was like, bro, bro you, you, it's like two crawls away. Like, you're right there. You just reach out and get it. And he's, and he's stretching. I'm like, bro, dude, just get it. But one of our favorite games to play is to imagine if one of our kids is doing something and having an adult do the same thing, how funny that would be. Like, just if I was just like, I just, I want it, I can't reach it. Just, I don't know. It's just one of those things that we do to make the time go by faster when our kids are screaming on the ground because they can't reach a balloon. Uh, The funny thing with kids, and especially Jet, Jet will go straight from like throwing a huge tantrum about something to where you're like, hey, bud, we're going to go in here now. This is what you need to do. And he's screaming and crying. Okay. And he just does it. And you're like, what happened? Like, what did I do this time? I got the magic that like, he just did what I asked him to do right away. I don't know what it was, but it, it worked fantastic. How can we do that every time? And it's funny because there's no like, there's no remorse in a two-year-old. There's no like, hey, can we talk about how I was just acting a minute ago when I was crying on the ground, reaching for the balloon? Can we just bring that up? And, and I, I, need to, I need to kind of show some remorse. I need to ask for apology. He's just like, no, I'm ready for dinner. Like, this is, this is my, 
Wednesday afternoon. I'm ready to go. Um, but like, I- I've had times where I've acted angry. I've had times where I've done something I'm not proud of. I have times where I act in a way, whether it's internally or externally, or I think I'm hiding it well and I'm really not, where I'm like, man, I need to walk that back and, and I'm not proud of who I was just a minute ago and I need to apologize to somebody. Hey, the way I said that wasn't kind or I was trying to be funny and I said something stupid and um, you end up looking at for me, it's especially when I go to bed at night, I'm like, man, I should have just phrased this thing that way. I shouldn't have said it that way. I should have, should have done it a little bit better. I should have been a little bit more kind. And I never end up looking at my life going like, man, I wish I would have just gotten a little bit more angry with that person. Maybe if I would have just uh, gossiped just a little bit more to one more person, maybe my day would have gone just a little bit better. Maybe if I just had one more impure thought, Maybe if I would have just clicked that thing, maybe if I would have just said that thing under my breath, man, maybe that would be better. No, nobody lives that way. Nobody ends up looking at the end of their day going, man, I wish I was more bad and less good. Everybody wants to be a good person. Everybody wants to be filled with goodness. Everybody wants less bad in their life and more good. We're in Colossians 3 tonight, and that's very much what Paul is talking about. If you have your Bible, open it up to Colossians 3. We're going to be in 1 through 15. Logan talked about 1 uh, last week, and that's really kind of our jumping off point. That he looked at like, hey, how for the people that are in Christ, how do we change our perspective? How do we look on the things that are heavenly? How do we look on the things that are godly? And it changes things for us. It changes maybe not our circumstances, but it changes our perspective. Why? Because, and it says it in the last verse, you've died and your life's been hidden with Christ. When Christ is in your life and appears, you also appear with him in glory. And it's important. The reason that we're talking about the same scripture that Logan talked about last week is that that is the springboard for what we are talking about tonight. And I feel like I need to give a qualifier and I need to give a preface so that you don't hear what I'm not saying. Tonight, Paul says a couple of things in Colossians that are very practical, they're very good, they're good to hear, there's some healthy things for us in there, but we have to see it with the right context and through the right lens. God has so much good for you. God wants you to be a person that's filled up with his spirit and is just overflowing those things to the people around you. God wants you to be a person who's not just reflecting all of your bad experiences, your bad attitudes, your bad feelings, your bad choices onto the other people around you. God wants you to be so filled up with him that you're just overflowing everything you have onto other people. But if that's where we start and that's where we live, then it becomes all about what you can do. It becomes all about, hey, you just add a little bit of goodness to your life and take away just a little bit of anger, take away just a little bit of bad attitude. If you just take away a little bit of evil intention, you're good. So don't hear what I'm not saying. What he's saying here is you have to start with the people that are found in Christ. I'm going to read the first verse and I want you to look at it on the screens or in your Bible with me. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. He's talking to people who would consider themselves Christians. He's talking to people that would consider themselves believers, Christ followers, who would wave the banner of Jesus over their life and say, this is the direction I'm heading. This is the person that I choose to follow. 
Please don't hear tonight. Just do a couple of good things, take away a couple of bad things, and you will do well. That's not it. Listen to what he says. He says, seek things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Your perspective should change. Listen to this. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. That last verse is what we really have to remember. It says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. The the picture there is literally like you, you have died and your life has been tucked in and buried so deep into who Christ is. It's hard to tell where, where you are because you're hidden at the center of who Jesus is. That your life has been so shaped and molded by the person of Jesus Christ that it's like, that, that's, that's Jared, but man, he's different from what he used to be. He's not exactly the same person. That the first thing that God wants us to do is to follow him, to hide our lives with him. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Jesus is coming back for you. Can I just tell you, it's been a hard season. It's been a hard season within a hard season. And Jesus is coming again. He will make all things right, He will wipe away every tear. He's coming again. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. This is what we have to know. We have to know that on our own, we're broken. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses, that we were spiritually dead, separated from God. Distant from him, darkened to the things of spirituality, broken, we need help, and we can't do it on our own. But, G- but God sent his son, Jesus, who was not broken, who never broke, but then took on all the pain, all the difficulty, all the shame that comes along with my brokenness, that comes along with your brokenness. When he didn't deserve it, he didn't do anything to deserve that. So that we could be alive together with God. Wherever you're at right now, will you just let that sink in? That there's a God who loves you so intimately And so deeply that he stepped down from perfection to what we walk around in. And he said, even though I don't deserve it, even though I've never done anything wrong, I'll take all the punishment. And what he asks for in return is that we respond to him. The way that you respond to God will be the most important thing about you. You might think the 80, the 90 years that I have on life, how I respond to God may not be that important. It's a blip on the radar compared to eternity. The way that you respond to God will be the most important thing about you. 
that we run to him, we run away from our sin, and we believe. And the Bible says that if we do that, we're forgiven. That the picture there is that God covers us when he sees you. He doesn't see all the brokenness, all the dirt, all the bad things that you've done. He sees Jesus' perfection over your life because of what Jesus did. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. Will you just take a breath and rest in that for a minute? That there is a good God who sent his son to be what you couldn't be. If I stood up here and told you all my shortcomings, we'd be here for years. But God, who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he's loved us, made us alive together with Christ. Will you let that sink in? That's the most important thing that you can hear tonight. And your answer to that, your response to that, will define your eternity. And Paul here, he uses this analogy in some other spots, but Paul here tells us a couple of things. He doesn't want us to just receive this good gift from God, to get this gift from God of, hey, you are forgiven, and then we go, see you, God, thanks for the good gift, I'll see you later. And now I'm going to go do whatever I want to do because I have a get-out-of-hell-free card. No, there's so much in the Bible about how he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. How because we have been forgiven, now we turn to others and we say, hey, you can be forgiven as well. We forgive how God forgave us because we've been forgiven a debt that we could never repay. So now we become a light, a reflector of God's light to the people around us. So he shapes us. He never stops working with you. One of the greatest pain and lies that I ever believed in was that I had accepted Christ at a young age. And I believe that I fully understood that as much as I could at a, at a young age. But then I believed that because I had sinned, that God would never use me. Even though I was a Christian, that God would go, man, how can you believe that and still? But the good news is, is that the gospel doesn't stop at your salvation, at the moment of forgiveness. That the gospel continues to purify you. That that's what sanctification is. It's a continual washing. It's a gradual growing in a likeness towards Christ so that we reflect who he is to the people around us. Not so that people would look at me and say, man, Jared, you are so forgiving. Jared, you, you are so patient and kind. No, it's Christ in me. That's what I hope you would see. That's what Paul talked about. So that we would show the people around us You don't have to live where this earth is the end. If this is the best that it can be, live it up. Make this the best that it can. But if this is it, that's a sad existence. But God has so much more for you. So let me me reiterate. Paul is talking to a group of Christians, people that wave the banner of Christ over their lives. And he says, hey, change your perspective because your life has been hidden with Christ. That's the base level. That's what he says before he gets into what we're going to talk about for the biggest part of tonight. And this is what we read in Colossians 3, 5 through 15. This is what he said. He says, therefore, 
Put to death, therefore, what is earthly within you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. That's what we're talking about. The wrath of God had to find a place to be poured out because of these things that are done, and it was poured out on Jesus in place of you and I. And this is what it says, In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. And he, he, he was just talking about some big, nasty, ugly things. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. Those are ones that we all go, yeah, that's pretty bad, right? But then he gets to some things that probably live a little bit more internally that probably poke at each of us a little bit more directly. He says, put these things away. Anger, wrath, malice. That's having ill will in your heart towards another person. Slander, saying something negative and untrue about someone else. Maybe that one's just me. An obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have, and this is where we get the picture for tonight, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So he's telling them here, hey, your lives should reflect the way that I want you to live. You should put to death, I mean, is the picture that he used here, execute. God does not want to tolerate sin in your life. He wants you to be a clear reflector, a clear mirror of who he is to the people around you. Put them away. And he says, take off the old and put on the new. And in that last sentence, he's talking about kind of this caste system where they would have said, you know, Greek and Jew and, and people that were born in the church and people that were born outside the church and barbarian were people that were not Greek or, or Jew and Scythian was, was like this nomadic people that didn't really have a home. And really what he was saying is like, hey, from the North Pole to the South Pole, from the East to the West, everyone, if they're in Christ, is on a level playing field. That in Jesus' eyes, in God's eyes, we're all children of his if we're found in him. There's not, wow, he does that one sin or he has a past with that, so and mine's not nearly as bad. He lumps in slander with wrath. He lumps in obscene talk with sexual immorality. That your sin grieves the heart of God. My sin grieves the heart of God. God has more for you than accepting this good gift from him and then living like everyone else. He wants our lives to reflect him and his goodness. And then he says in verses 12 through 15, and he flips the script and goes from the negative to the positive. And he says, put on then, that picture of, again, putting on, 
as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is you. I mean, just, just take a minute and read those words again. As God's chosen ones, your creator's chosen, holy, set apart, beloved. Did you know that you are loved by your creator? More than you could ever fathom, you're loved. He just listed some of the nastiest sounding sins and he said, hey, can I, can I come in close and tell you, y- y'all are, are loved, chosen by the king of kings. God's not looking at you, man, I just can't believe, he's going, I love you so much, I don't want you to be tied down to something like that. That's not your God anymore. That's not your master anymore. That's not your Lord anymore. That's not what has power over you anymore. Take off the old, put it to death, and put on the new. This is what he says. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness, patience, bearing with one another, that literally means putting up with one another, what up 2020, and if one of you has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, man what a place to live, it doesn't say if somebody did you wrong, if somebody hurt you, you get to, no, it says if you have a complaint, a complaint is something that you want to take to the people around you. Can I get an amen? It says if you have a complaint about someone, take it to them and forgive them. Man, what a place to live. Can you imagine how Christians would rock our world if we went, did he just say that about you? What are you going to do about it? And you went, yeah, I have a complaint, but I'm going to forgive him clutching my pearls. You're like, what in the world? This is not a place that the rest of 2020 young adults are ready to live. That what he just described, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another is a place that anyone would look at and say, I need that. Sometimes I think we look at our lives and we say, I have the love of God in me, but why is it that no one around me wants what I have? Do you have these things? I read a story two weeks ago about when Disneyland opened. I can't remember if it was Disneyland or Disney World. Somebody will fact check me after this. But they sent out, in 1955, they sent out 15,000 invites. That was the max that they could take. They sent out 15,000 invites. They were ready to go for their opening day. Well, they were taking people with these invites, and whenever people were leaving, they were counting, and they counted over 26,000 people that exited the park. And they found out after the fact that one guy found a ladder and put it up to the wall of Disney World and was charging people $5 a head to get them inside. Some American ingenuity, right? That's an entrepreneur. If you have something that people want, they will find a way. 
that we are called to attract people with the way that we live, but also with our words? Is the way that you live something that would attract people to not you, but God? Humility, kindness. I say this, this all kicked my tail like a week ago, so I'm, I'm, I'm first in line with you. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Man, what gratitude changes. Not just an attitude, but being thankful. The discipline of gratitude. Things really change. And I want you to understand, I, I want to reiterate, all of this is what God is telling, what Paul is telling Christians to do. That if you're here and you're like, I'm just checking this out, this isn't normally me, you, you just get to come in here, right? But we need to understand that the course of your life depicts your conduct. If you have a destination in mind, and you know that your eternity lives in heaven, you're going to change the way that you walk. You're going to change the way that you live. That it's your identity that has to start that moment. That if I set out and I say, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be more patient today, I end up doing what I call spiritual whack-a-mole. You ever seen that game that's like, Moles pop up, little holes, and you got a big hammer, and you just whack it, and by the time you're ready to whack one, another one pops up, that like, I will go, man, I've been really angry lately, so I fixate on the sin that says anger, and I go, I'm going to pop you, anger, don't you pop up again, and then over here, I've gotten slanderous, I have a bad attitude, I haven't been kind. If it's up to me and you, we're going to fail at that. That we need Christ to step into our lives and change us and make us new. Now, there, there are two analogies in this that I, that I want you to kind of know and see and understand. Um, Paul uses these analogies all over um, in, in a lot of his writings. Uh, but the two places that you see them the most clear are in 2 Corinthians 5 and Ephesians 4. In 2 Corinthians 5, he says this, this is one of my favorite verses. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Not he is becoming, or not he is decidedly going to do at the end of his life. He is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Earlier in that verse, it says that we walk in the things of God. In Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, it says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. It doesn't, it doesn't belong here anymore. That's not where it belongs. You have a new residency. You have a new home. It says it belongs somewhere else. It belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. I mean, the good news here is that you're, you're, you're putting on 
the new. You're taking off the old, and God is renewing your mind. He's consistently renewing it. And the thing that we see throughout Scripture, I was reading this week how we abide with the Father. To abide is to just spend time with. That the common threads through all of these is that you become new by becoming near. I think sometimes I, I, I view it that, that, man, I really want to get cleaned up before I come back to God. And he'll go, how did you do that all by yourself? Jared, you did it. I can't believe you did that all by yourself. That's so great. Like I would do to my son if he drew something for me. But that doesn't happen. It happens through nearness with our Father, to see his ways, to understand what he does, why he does it, where we get that from. And we start to become new by being near. What's your nearness look like? At High Street, we talk about the five things. The first one's attend to service. You're all doing it. Great job. But then we talk about being in community, about spiritual disciplines. That's what that looks like. That Jesus called the church his body and his bride. This, this is my vehicle for showing the world. Are you putting yourself up next to Jesus' body so that you can see, man, I'm, I'm not doing some of these things. I am doing some things that I shouldn't be doing. I see that that person's life looks different than mine and I want to know why. Are you in any kind of community? I would challenge you. It's going to be a weird season. You're getting ready to, whether you're in college and you're getting ready to, to be done for the semester or you're, you're just going to be traveling for the holidays or whatever that looks like, it's going to be a weird time to be connected with community. But what if you found one person? What if you found two people and you said, I'm going to own my break. I'm going to do something difficult. I'm going to text you every day and tell you how I'm doing with the things that I struggle with. I'm going to let you ask me some questions that I may not like to answer. Why? Because nearness to God is what's going to bring us newness. What do your spiritual disciplines look like? Maybe you don't know what that looks like. Praying and reading the Bible. Talking to God like a friend. Those happen best in community. That's the first common thread that goes through these analogies. The second common thread is a a couple of analogies that I want to show you uh, for a second here. He talks a lot about taking off the old and putting on the new. And it's very much the the term there in the original language is putting on and off an outer garment. Um, When I was in college, I was here in Springfield, and I had a friend who came to BBC that was from uh, San Diego. And... uh, Awesome San Diego. Justin, who's getting ready to come play the keys, is from San Diego as well. And uh, I've had the pleasure of visiting a couple of times, and it might be one of the most beautiful places on earth. Uh, when I visited, it was, uh, it was like late May, early June, and they have this thing that's like, what is it called, Justin? Late June gloom? Am I right? Sure. He said sure. And they're like, it was like cloudy for three days in a row, and they're like, sorry about the weather. This is terrible. And I was like, Y'all, today it was hot this morning and rainy and cold just a minute ago. So, like, Missouri is just bipolar when it comes to its weather. So I'm like, that's whatever. But Jesse came to Springfield, and Jesse uh, pulled up in wintertime. He came back from break, 
And Jesse had this little thin, like, shell of a coat, and he's, he's wearing it. You put it on, and you're like, Jesse, that's, that's a thin coat, bro. Like, it's, it's negative 10 degrees. And he's like, never had to own a coat before. Yeah, all right. Do, do you need one? No, I'll, I'll be good. And I remember doing something with him when it was like negative 10 degrees outside, and dude was cold, right? Like, this provides some, some stoppage to like rain and some wind, but it doesn't do anything else. And finally, Jesse was like, hey, I, I just got to go to the mall or to the store. He's like, I, I, need, I need something with a little bit more substance. And he went to the store and he found something that would give him a little bit more coverage, a little bit thicker, keep him a little bit more warm. And he went and grabbed a good size winter coat and he put it on. Why? Because his destination his location determined his conduct. If you're someone who's claiming that your life, if you're alive together with God, is your conduct sporting that? Is your conduct reflecting that? I can't be the one who looks at your life and says, these are all the things that you're doing, but you can look at your coat You can look down and go, this is the old me. That belongs over there. It belongs to my former life. It's dead. I put it to death. I choose to take it off today. And if I look down and I see it on again, I'm going to take it off again today. And I'm going to put on those good things of God. Will you be resilient in that area? Will you choose to put on the things of God? because that's where your destination lies. Here's the second analogy. Um, Me and my wife, when we first got married, we moved uh, into a house uh, on Catalpa Street, kind of on the west side of Springfield. And it was a great house. We lived in it for about two years. And uh, about four years ago, uh, two years after we got married, we had an opportunity to buy another house. And we we went ahead and did it. It was a great house, a little upgrade. And it was an interesting thing because me and my wife both did this in different times, but um, we would be like on the phone leaving church or leaving school or leaving something and you'd be on the phone and it's like, ah, oh, I ended up at my old house. I just pulled into the driveway. I'm going to be a minute. And you'd, you, I'd get to National and Grand where I normally turned right and I'd go, I got to go straight to get to the house on Dollison. That's what I need to do. And I had to make some conscious choices and I'd make a right and go, okay, I went right, but I can still get back to my house if I go this way. You might have some habits that lead you to a place that is not your home. You have a new home in heaven. And God wants your habits, God wants your actions, God wants your patterns to reflect that home. Not the old one. It's a slow, gradual walk towards Christ. The other thing that I see in there is that it's active. He he talks about it being a walk. He talks about taking off, putting to death, and putting on. We're near God, but we're also self-aware. What is it that I struggle with? What is it that I have trouble thinking about? 
What are the things that I read on here and you go, that's the one for me that if I really am serious about it, I'm going to do what James 5.16 says and I'm going to confess it to others so that I have healing. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly within you. I'm going to read all these things again. And I want you to see this as a checklist in your life. I can't do that for you. Only you can do that. You don't do this for the person sitting next to you. You don't do it for your roommate. You don't do it for your mom or your cousin or your, or your sister. You do it for you. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly within you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on then. Is this you? Would you describe yourself this way? Between you and God, would he describe you this way? Having a compassionate heart putting on kindness, humility, meekness, patience, to bear with one another, you forgive one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Has the Lord forgiven you? If you're here tonight and you'd say, I need all of that. I've tried to fix this on my own and I have fallen short. I can't. I've tried every avenue and I'm tired of trying. Did you know that the Lord has forgiven you? And that if you believe and run to him, he'll forgive you. He'll do what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. The old will pass away. Behold, the new will come. That's God's promise to you today. Have you done that? If that's you and you haven't, I, I would just say, do it tonight. Don't waste another minute. Don't waste another ounce of effort on something that's smaller than your creator. Turn to him. Believe. Would you bow your heads? Thank mm-hmm. you.